0: You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Paul Pfeiffer. Paul, thanks so much for being with me.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Paul, I want to talk about your show and Paula Cooper, uh, specifically the the single-channel video, of course, um, called Red, Green, Blue, Um, perhaps we should start by talking about the the live performance uh, at the Apollo Theater. I I didn't see that in person. That was in 2019. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's Amazing Grace RGB at the Apollo
1: Theater? That was in November 2019, so really just three years ago, was something that transpired out of a commission from Performa. And uh, I had been um, for a couple of years at In 2019, I was already filming the band in Athens, Georgia. Uh, This is the Red Coat Marching Band that um, specifically performs during football games. Uh, Not so... I mean, they do a halftime performance, but what really interested me uh, and led me to start filming them was um, observing how in college football uh, there's a band that uh plays as a kind of live instrumentation accompanying the game itself uh playing specific songs uh in 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 relation to different actions that happen on the field and i was fascinated by that live performance and and started filming them um and then this opportunity came up to displace that performance from the usual stadium where they perform uh to, to actually bring uh, the band to New York, and originally we we're going to try to um, stage the performance uh, at the um, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, um, but got um, uh, but, but the NBA took our spot. Uh, there was only one day in their football season schedule where they could actually fly to New York and do this. It was a November 11th. Um, and so the second venue that we had um, was the Apollo. And so the performance took place at the Apollo.
0: And, and you know, that's, that's, it's an exciting project in a number of ways. So just to ask you a little bit about the Georgia Red Code Band. So you, you approached the band, of course, and they've never, they've never worked with someone, I imagine, like you before. Um, how, how, how did that relationship uh, evolve if if you don't mind me asking because because that must have been interesting as well for for both of you
1: yeah um i mean they absolutely you know we were i mean i believe that uh I mean, the person I was primarily talking with was the the band director um who commandeers you know this this band of four hundred and fifty plus musicians. They're all volunteer students, um, and there's football games, uh, what, like every week, you know, home games every two weeks and then away games every other week. So at the height of the season, they're they're like this finely calibrated machine. They have to be uh, to be able to, um, you know, sustain the kind of schedule it's, it's really, it's really intense kind of um, like military schedule, um, their performance. So I, I, it really um, grew from me um, asking the band director if I could come to his office and, and just sit and talk with him about what he does. I was, I, and and as, a, as a kind of production nerd, I just wanted to know all about what he was doing like how his band um, functions as a kind of emotional generator during the games. And and the more I heard, I realized that what, what, what the band does is in a way like the heart of a kind of mass ritual that's going on in the stadium. You know, there's the football game itself, but the 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 range of songs that are performed and how the crowd interacts with those songs is highly ritualistic uh basically the same sequence of songs is played at every game uh there's you know always some variation and obviously since it follows the action on the field uh there's a improvisational element but there's absolutely a script um certain things happen in the first quarter certain things happen At the first down, the second down, there's rituals that are performed, you know, with a touchdown. Um, Everything is kind of scripted, and and, uh, so I, you know, uh, really what I did for a number of years was, um, with permission and with press passes, I just was going into the stadium uh, during the games with my camera crew and um, with mics, set up at different points around the stadium and just observing just just observing the game with very little interaction the, they their schedule is so tight that there there really could be no interaction so in the end I, I guess what I'm trying to describe is there to me they were this machine like found object uh, and the nature of the interaction was simply the the act of displacement um, from from the stadium into this theater in New York City, in Harlem. Um, but what they did and what they were going to do, I, I had very little say over what they were going to do. The premise was that um, they would simply repeat the performance that they give during a football game. Uh, in fact, uh, two days before November 11, they performed for a game um, in Georgia, and so, so specifically they were bent to recreate as closely as possible what they had done a couple of days earlier in the stadium based on a, a, a recording, an audio recording that I made of that performance in the stadium uh, using it as a kind of uh, score and simply trying to repeat it uh, in the Apollo Theater.
0: So that 's fascinating, you know on, on a number of levels that I want to get into, but for for the band also, this is a very unusual gig, so to speak, right You had to also explain this gig and how they were to use um, to to play the score, so to speak right and it 's nothing yeah. like what they normally do. I mean it is what they normally do, but um, how did, how did, how did how did they feel about that? this is I mean they must have been excited, but also uh, I would imagine a bit perplexed because this is such an unusual. Um, performance for them?
1: I honestly don't think that anybody involved was truly prepared for what it would be. Uh, I don't mean to be dramatic, but um, the degree to which displacing the performance from its usual kind of like um, ritual uh, setting, um, with all of its conventions and in a way like a belief system in place to, to extract from that and to be in front of, uh, essentially an, an art audience, uh, in the Apollo Theater, uh, entails a kind of like denaturalization and a kind of a level of self-consciousness extreme self-consciousness on everyone's part like it the the alienness of the performance uh i was certainly kind of blown away with it as it was occurring um the the resonances and and in a way the kind of uh the mismatch of customs that that were happening and and the kind of like slippage, the potential slippage of reading, um, to me was like really extreme. I I will say that, you know, the ultimately, uh, everyone was, I I believe like there was a generosity of spirit Um, and the reception afterwards was, you know, uh, a lot of love was shown to the band for what they did. Um, But but in the moment, you know, the, the the kind of the tone of patriotism that's part of the DNA of, of their performance in the stadium. And, and how that uh, would read and, and also just kind of the impossibility of thinking uh, like a doppelganger to an existing performance that the, the kind of the insertion of this kind of um, game of repetition. Uh, in a way that was actually impossible to perform. Um, what was you know like boarded on chaos.
0: Right, right. That's so fascinating. Right, that's just so fascinating on on a lot of levels. But it, but it, it sounds like um, as as much of a surprise that was. It, it it came together though. It's you know like you're saying that extraction um, from its original context. Um, was a was a a shock for the band, I imagine. And, uh, and, you know, and and for the audience, also, there's, 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 there's an extraction there, right? Like you're saying, the audience is hearing this and, um, and it's also in a different, the audience is extracted or, or or, or maybe the reverse because um, they're not in a game, correct? So it's so it's it's a very different experience for the for the audience.
1: I mean, in a way, the, the, the performance itself, its very reason for existing would be to incite uh, emotions that would, or, or maybe to um, amplify emotions that were being generated, you know, by the situation of a football game. So, so to have a performance whose goal would be to incite and amplify affect without uh w- without the natural kind of cause and effect of the affect um was uh pretty jarring
0: right and 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 this of course you know ha- has occurred in in many ways throughout other other work of yours um in the past to some extent and um so to talk just about the the single channel um film the, the presentation at paula cooper uh, this is this is yet another version of it, right? This is coming together in a way that um, also has surround sound and and we're having another experience in in there's a lot of layers to what's going on there, but was was one of the goals to to give the audience that kind of emotional impact that you get. In a stadium, in this, as you're saying, this is heavily ritualized. It's it's the audience understands exactly what's going to happen, um, but to but to remove it from that and um and and place it in a gallery and and have all the layers you had and, and it looks like an enormous amount of of, of of mics. I would imagine. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what what you expected the audience to to experience then, because we're. We're primarily talking, in in some ways, about the emotional impact, the patriotic right. impact, almost of of this, which is is linked to the game, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm excited about the show at Paula Cooper because, uh. Uh, unlike the kind of, um. Uh, just the the improv element um and and just the like the the lack of control over how it would play out live like obviously you know in in the video installation the video and sound installation uh i got to work for months with with uh the video and audio recordings and so in a sense like i had extreme control um over uh playing with this material and, um, like, shaping it to create an experience uh, as a, you know, as a 30, 31-minute piece. Um, I got to, like, you know, uh, to lower the volume on certain things and and raise the volume on other things. And, uh, um, you know, given that I had multiple mics at different locations around the, the stadium, um, and, and also, uh, seven or eight cameras at different locations around the stadium, uh, just cutting between different mics and different cameras, you know, made, made this piece all about kind of how the sensory, um, sequence could be like a movement, uh, um, you know could could be could take you on a kind of um, spatial movement um around uh, the stadium. I should say you know one aspect of the performance that I th- think I'm thankful was part of the uh Apollo event was um, that we made a decision that during the performance uh, the band would be moving around um, the theater, not stationary. Um, including moving into the back rooms and the subterranean uh, spaces underneath the stage of the Apollo and into certain attic spaces like green rooms. Um, And then we invited the audience to follow them. So there was this way in which uh, the, the sound of the band was being modulated as they moved around and they would even disappear into sort of back rooms and then the audience would go with them and break up into smaller groups. Um, And and so it became kind of architectural journey. So similarly, um, on the screen at Paula Cooper, uh, it occurs to me like there's a similar dynamic um, uh, of of almost like kind of an architectural um, spatial movement around the, the stadium it's going on
0: well and 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 that's what creates um i mean perhaps you know i mean for 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 me there was a, a number of things happening there there's you know just the you know in terms of perception there's you know it was it was so unusual to kind of try to absorb and digest this and and as and as you've written about also cognition right there's there's something happening there that you know at at first watch for me anyway I can't completely wrap my head around all my senses around there's something happening in terms of cognition right that's that's um, that's what like what's what's going on I'm, I'm trying to understand this space I'm trying to understand what's going on and it's it, it's alien yet familiar um, this is a very this is something very complex happening almost kind of uh, neurological right in terms of how how i'm absorbing it how i'm digesting this how i'm taking it in with my senses right typically we're talking about like perception storyline narrative in in in, in, in single right. channel presentations but it, now we're we're talking about something else which which again of course weaves through your work the past perception and and also this this issue of of cognition right which which. Yeah which is what what's happening there it's hard for me to understand how you even like kind of plan that out because how does you're talking about a level of perception that i would imagine after you working with it for a while you perceive it differently or or or, or, or something happen is different happening with how the artist is kind of um you know absorbing and 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 cognizant isn't quite the right word of it but your 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 own perception i would imagine is shifting and changing and adapting almost whereas the viewer is, is is coming in there fresh and and also trying to kind of put together all the pieces to some extent does, does that make sense i mean i'm trying to get at something that's yeah. critical, no, sort of
1: yeah <laughs> i like what you're saying i mean yes yeah, you know there there were several the focus was really uh or one focus was on uh several people who are the orchestrators of the script that is being followed, um, over the course of the game. Um, you know, not the athletes and and not the, not the referees. That part is, is its own thing, but the script I'm referring to is a, a script that lays out how over four quarters, um, all the key advertisers are going to get their moment. Uh, You know, whether it's BMW or Allstate or uh, Coca-Cola, whatever, Boy Scouts, U.S. Army, uh, Delta Airlines, these are all kind of the major advertisers in the stadium. And uh, each of them has uh, a kind of, you know, well, they've bought time and uh, their spots are broadcasted uh, into the stadium to the audience at key moments um, and then there are the rituals like at, at the at the very end of the third quarter there's a song uh, titled Krypton um, and when and it always happens at the end of the third quarter um, and introduces the final quarter of the game um, and when that song is played uh, they turn off all the lights in the stadium and then um, and then boost just the red color LEDs so the whole stadium turns red. And everybody in the stadium, 100,000 people, know that in that moment they take out their cell phones, turn on the flashlight, and then um, sort of wave it in the air so it becomes this uh, just like a massive wave of, of lights. Um, that's one of many kind of ritual moments that takes place. And, and this is all. Scripted, and that, so I'm following uh, the the director of marketing, the band director, and the director of the pep squad, who, in a sense, are like are all kind of orchestrating fan experience uh, while also, you know, running the advertising. Um, I, I mic each of them, and so uh, unnaturally on a i mean on an unnaturally intimate level you you hear their banter um, and and I, I i sort of you know it's sort of a headset conversation that's edited into the texture of this 31 minute piece
0: right that's the, the, that's part of what is 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 um yeah is is isn't yeah completely audible but yeah it changes perception there in you're you're also this is the first part right this is um there's a this is going to be uh extended and there's going to be um more parts to this is, is that correct
1: uh yeah this it it's the uh the plan is that this is part one of a three part piece and uh and i'm um generally thinking of, well, the title being red, green, blue, or RGB, you know, just describes the color components that make up, um, you know, a, a light display or a, a video image. And, and so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about those three components, sort of, as a kind of um, schematic of production. Um, and and sort of unpacking it over three uh three a three-part installation of which this video is the red component uh the, the school colors are red so the interior of the stadium is is very you know is is very red um and uh, i was thinking uh of um the kind of uh the spatial relationships there uh next door to the stadium is a is a cemetery that i associate with the the color green and um uh i guess something that's not represented in the current video is uh, that there is in fact then uh a river like an underground river that that flows underneath the stadium and and uh comes out in the cemetery and i think of uh that underground river is as a kind of blue space. So between the stadium, the cemetery and the underground river, um, the the three parts to come um, are somehow mapped onto these, uh, the extended kind of like spatial condition of the stadium.
0: So really, really exciting and interesting to to talk to you about this, Paul. Um, thanks for your time on this. I, I want to ask you one more question off topic. What are you reading at the
1: moment? At the moment, I'm um, I I am reading or rereading uh, the essay uh, "The Living Currency" by um, Pierre Krasovsky. Um, which is a kind of a short book-length essay um, written by the uh, French philosopher who um, this, yeah um, uh, who describes um, something about how like the affects and um, and kind of the, what we take to be the most kind of fundamental human. Um, traits or characteristics um, could be understood as a kind of material uh, and maybe even like the, the main material um, that, that acts as a kind of infrastructure for market existence. It's like a really strange formulation. Yeah, you know, we usually think of, like, a kind of our humanness as being almost, like, antithetical to, like, the industrial realm or the realm of industrial production or capitalist production. But it's an argument that somehow capitalism is actually based on the things we take to be most human, but, but sort of instrumentalized. That's the living currency.
0: Thanks so much that sounds interesting. Uh, Paul I want to thank you for your time and um, also congratulate you on this on this show and the beginning of this um this series. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators and more.